0: Lord, to uh, just have a clear mind, to not be distracted, Father. I pray that you would help me to say the things that you would have me to say, Father. Help this to be a time of, of growth, Lord. Help this to be a time where we can uh, learn from your Word. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, well, we're there in Matthew chapter number 8. And if you remember last week, we, fin- we finished... Chapter number 7, and uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 were the Sermon of the Ma- on the Mount, and chapter 8, we're kind of getting into the stories, and you'll notice as we go through Matthew, you'll have a couple chapters of, of action, a couple chapters of Jesus doing things, then you'll have a couple chapters of Jesus teaching, and it'll be like a sermon, and then you'll have Him uh, doing stuff, and, and we'll read about what He was doing, then there'll be a few chapters of Him teaching as kind of the, the way the book of Matthew goes, so we just dealt with five chapters. Chapters of Jesus' teaching and we went through that slowly and, and got uh, as much as we could out of it in the amount of time that we had. Now we're in chapter 8 and we're only going to deal with the first part of this chapter tonight. We'll deal with the latter part next week. But in this first part, we find a series of miracles that Jesus performs. Three miracles, and then at the end, kind of an overview of all the miracles that He had done here in Capernaum at this time. And I believe that there are three lessons we can learn from these miracles. I don't don't want to be here very long tonight. If we can go through this as quickly as we can, I just want you to be able to notice a few things as we go through it. But if you look at verse 1, the Bible says, When He was come down from the mountain, so He came off the mountain that He was giving the great Sermon on the Mount. It says, when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. So you've got to understand, the ministry of Jesus is divided into two, maybe three different uh, uh, times or sequences. It was three, uh, about three years that he ministered, but at the beginning stages of his ministry, it was a very popular ministry. I mean, he had thousands of people flocking him and coming to him and Coming to hear Him preach, and eventually, once they heard His sermons, they start getting kind of upset. A lot of them quit and leave. They eventually turn on Him, and of course we know they ended up crucifying Him. But at this time, Jesus is at the height of His ministry, or uh, maybe not the height, but at the popular time of His ministry, when people are... Liking what he has to say, his ministry primarily was successful in, in and around uh, the Sea of Galilee, which is the city that he's in. Again, if you look at verse 1, and when he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Verse 2, and behold, I want you to notice this, there came a leper and worshipped him. Now, a leper shows up, now you got to understand this, okay? In the Bible, leprosy or the disease or sickness of leprosy is always a picture of sin. And I don't have time to develop that right now. You can study that out on your own if you like. But leprosy pictures sin. And the reason that leprosy, uh, I believe one of the reasons leprosy pictures sins is because it's something that kind of starts small and ends up consuming your whole body. And that's how sin is. You know, people start drinking alcohol, and it's just a kind of a social drinker. But it'll end up consuming your life. And uh, leprosy is contagious, and it, it, it would it would de- literally destroy people's uh, skin. And this man is a leper. Now, you got to understand something about leprosy. Now, keep your finger there in Matthew chapter eight, and go to Leviticus chapter number thirteen in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter thirteen. Keep your finger there in Matthew 8. Leviticus, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It's the third book in the New Testament. Leviticus chapter number 13. And look at verse number 44. I want to show you something about leprosy. The Bible talks a lot about leprosy. One of these days, maybe I'll preach a sermon about leprosy and the spiritual applications there. But in Leviticus 13, in verse 44, the Bible says... He is a leprous man. And when someone, and if you read the context before that, it's talking about determining whether someone is leprous. Here they have determined, they said, okay, this, you know, X, Y, Z means you have leprosy. So verse 44 they say, he is a leprous man. Now notice what they said about the leprous man. He is unclean. Do you see that? So they would consider someone who had leprosy unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. His plague is in his head. This is the context of specifically someone has leprosy on their scalp or on their head. Verse 45. Now I want you to see what happens when someone has leprosy. They are pronounced utterly unclean. They are considered unclean. Verse 45. Then the leper in whom the plague is. Look what it says. His clothes shall be rent and his head bare. And he shall put on a covering upon his upper lip. And shall cry unclean unclean. Now you gotta understand this. I don't have time to develop it. You can study it on your own. But when a person had leprosy, they had to leave their house. They had to leave their family. They had to go live outside of the city, outside of the camp. Usually they left they, they, they lived in a in a location where there was other people with leprosy. They were not allowed to come home. They were not allowed to have contact with their family. I mean to to be a leprous man during the Bible times was a big deal. It could it would literally ruin your life. And it was a disease of the skin. And what it would do is it would, it would just uh, consume your skin. It would deteriorate. I mean, people would just eventually have their hands and their arms fall off because leprosy just destroyed their body. And you need to understand that context when, you, when we go back to Matthew 8. And go back to Matthew 8. When we get to Matthew 8, you need to understand the concept of leprosy because it's very interesting what happens here. Look at verse 2 again. Matthew chapter 8 verse 2. And behold, there came a leper. Now you remember, leprosy is a picture of sin. So whenever someone is healed from leprosy, from the disease of leprosy, that serves as a picture of salvation. And here we find a beautiful picture of salvation. It says, there came a leper and worshipped him. Now notice how the Bible describes worship. Because today we have an idea, you know, Christians today think worshiping is going to some rock concert, you know. And put your hands in the air and all of that. But notice what the Bible says. He worshiped Him. How did He worship Him? Saying, look, He worshiped Him by praying to Him. By asking Him something. But here's what's interesting. He says, Lord, if Thou wilt... Now just don't, you know, when you read the Bible, don't just quickly, you know, breeze through these things and just, you know, focus on what the people are saying. Because there are other places in Scripture where people would come to Jesus. There's, I'm thinking of one place in Scripture where the man comes and he says, Lord, if thou canst do anything. Heal my son, you know? And that guy says like, if you can do anything, can you heal my son? But that's not what this man said. This man said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, the question is not, Jesus, whether you can cleanse me. He says, I know you can cleanse me. I know you can heal me. I know you can deliver me. He says, the question is, I don't know if you want to heal He says, Lord, if thou wilt... The word wilt means if you want to. He says, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, the beautiful thing about this is, he's acknowledging that Jesus can do it, but he says, I don't know if Jesus wants to do it. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, God, this is what I would like, but I don't know if it's what you would like. If you would like to do it, I would like you to do it, but if you don't want to do it, I know you can still do it. you understand that? Is that how we normally approach Jesus in prayer? God... I know you can do this. I don't know if it's what you want to do. It's what I want you to do. But if you decide not to do it, it doesn't shake my faith. Because I know you can do it. Do you you understand that? I believe Jesus was really impressed with this. Because He says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now look at verse 3. And don't miss the intimacy of Jesus Christ. And Jesus put forth His hand and touched him. Don't miss that. You you need to understand, you you know, we read through these passages so quickly sometimes. Remember, this man is a leper. He has a disease of the skin. Highly contagious. When the priest determines that what, the sore that he has on his head or on his hand or somewhere on his body, when it is determined that this man has leprosy, he is immediately called unclean. He has to remove his clothes and put on these special clothing. He's told to go outside of the city. Look, he can't go home, hug his wife. You understand that? He can't go hug his kids and say goodbye. He can't touch anyone. He can't be touched by anyone. He can maybe you know, be touched by another leprous person. They're living outside of the city. They're living outside of town. And here, here you have this man. You gotta understand. See, we read this and we're just like, you know, we just read it and it says, you know, uh, you know, he asked Jesus, if thou wilt, Lord, if thou wilt, I can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. We just read that and say, Jesus put forth his hand. But you gotta understand the context of that. This man was a leprous man. When Jesus reaches out his hand and touches this man, you gotta understand, everyone around there is thinking, whoa, Jesus, what are you doing? You can't touch a leprous person. Do you understand that? You can't touch a diseased person. When, when, when anybody here shows up to church, Brother Johnny shows up, or Brother Vincent, or Brother Jose, whoever, Brother Daryl, they come in and what do we do? We shake their hand, right? Hey brother, how you doing? When anybody think it's weird for me to go, hey brother, how you doing? <laughs> Nobody think that's odd, right? But for Jesus to say, I will be done. That's amazing. you understand that? This man had leprosy. And Jesus says, He says, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He says, He doesn't say, I will be thou clean. He heals him, and then shakes his hand. He touches him. The guy doesn't know if he's healed. The guy doesn't know if he wants to. He touches him. I mean, you gotta, those guy's probably looking at him thinking, no one's ever touched me. At least not for a long time. And he says, I mean, just look at verse 13. Just, hey, I'm just trying to, Make this alive to you so you just read through this. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. I mean, the intimacy. And by the way, let me just bring it to bring the spiritual application. If you want to reach a community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you want to make a difference in your family's life and in your friend's life and your community, you reach out and touch those people that nobody else wants to touch. And I promise you. People will show, people will see the difference. This is a man that, you know, he had to yell unclean. You know why they yell unclean, unclean? Here's why. Somebody would be walking on the street. They have to yell unclean, unclean. Why? So the person would know. Oh, that guy's got leprosy. Let me go this way because I don't want to get anywhere near him. Mm -hmm. And Jesus reaches out his hand and touches him. Saying, I will be thou clean. Now notice the picture of salvation. And... Immediately. Do you see that word immediately? It wasn't a process. It wasn't first you believe, then you get baptized, then you speak in tongues, then you get filled with the Holy Ghost, then you go do this sacrament, then you do that. It wasn't a seven step process. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. And by the way, that's what salvation is. Amen. You, wasn't it a great day when you came to Jesus Christ and you realized that you were a sinner on your way to hell, condemned? You realized that the fun you thought you were having and the sin you thought was a great thing, you realized it is a disease, it has destroyed my life, it's going to put me in hell. And you cried out to Jesus Christ and you said, I don't know if you want me, I don't know if you will, I know you can, but Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Wasn't it a beautiful day when you found out... The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. Wasn't it a great day when you called out to Jesus Christ and said, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he said, I will. Be See, the word will, when he says will there, he's not saying, like, we say, I will do that, like, we're going to do it. When he says, I will, what he's saying is, I want to. Lord, do you want to? And he says, whosoever will may come. He says, "Any man that cometh unto me, he said, I will by in no wise cast out." See, salvation is available for everybody. And the moment you get it, the moment He touches you, the moment He heals you, it's immediate. You're passed from death to life. Look at verse four. And Jesus saith unto him, "See, thou tell no man." Now, look, Jesus wasn't interested in the crowd. To be honest, you, you never see Jesus just out there. And this is this is this should be a little humbling to us. But you never see Jesus out there just like trying to gather a big crowd. You see Jesus dealing with individuals. You see Jesus dealing with this leprous man. We'll see Jesus in a little while dealing with a Roman centurion. We'll see Jesus dealing with a lady who's sick. He deals with individuals. He transforms individual lives. And because of that, the crowds come. But He's not interested in the crowd. You understand that? Jesus wasn't interested in the 5,000. He was interested in the 12. You understand that? Yeah, good. And he 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 says, look, he says, see thou tell no man. He said, I don't want you going around telling a bunch of people what happened. He says, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded. This was the law. The law was that if you were ever healed as a leprous man, you then had to go to the priest, do a special sacrifice. The priest had to pronounce you clean, and then you could go. Look, I'm sure no one, I'm sure this is the first time anybody ever had to do that. I I mean, I don't know how many people get uh, healed by leprosy. We know, you know, uh, Elisha healed uh, a a man of leprosy, but he wasn't even a Jew, so he wouldn't have done these things. Now notice the last phrase of verse 4. And Jesus said unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded. Now notice what it says here. For a testimony unto them. That's what your life should be. When God saves you... He saves you so your life could be a witness, a testimony to others. In this miracle, we find the proper approach. This man does not come just saying, God, heal me. God, do this for me. Jesus, he says, Lord, I don't know if you want to. I know you can. I don't know if you want to. But if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And he heard the words, I will. We see the proper approach when we approach. The Bible tells us we can come boldly through the throne of grace. But, you know, we should always come. When you come to God in prayer, you should come with the attitude, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. It's God's will. It's what He wants. You know, I've, I've heard, you know, uh, the, the Pentecostal movement. I've heard people in the Pentecostal, the prosperity, gospel, health, and wealth, name it and claim it. They'll say, you just command God. You tell God to do this and you tell God to do that and and we bind them on earth and and look, those are Bible verses that are taken out of context and we say we'll bind them on earth and he's got to do it in heaven and we're going to tell God what to do we're going to tell God to make you a millionaire we're going to tell God to make you healthy listen to me, you're not telling God to do anything you understand that? it's not God do this, it's if thou wilt I don't know if you want to God but I know you can we saw the proper approach number two, I want you to see the proper attitude look at verse 5 Matthew chapter 8 verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now centurion is a military term. It's a, it's, it's a title. This is a man who has a hundred soldiers under him. He is in command of a, a centurion you know, the word uh, centurion, centurion has to do with a hundred soldiers. So this guy is a commander of a hundred soldiers. And he comes beseeching him, verse 6, and saying, Lord, my servant life at home sick of the posse, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Verse 8, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. but Now, no, make, make, make note of this. But speak... The word only. And my servant shall be healed. He says, Look, Jesus says, Okay, I'm going to go to your house and heal him. He says, Look, I'm not worthy for you to even come to my house. He's like, Look, if you knew the way I live in my house, I don't want you in my house, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not worthy of that. He said, Just speak the word. He said, Just say it. And my servant shall be healed. Now look at verse 9. For I'm a man under authority. He says, he says, Jesus, I, look, I, I'm a centurion. I, I'm a soldier. I, I, I'm a commander. I understand authority structure. He said, you know, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goes, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard, now, no, you understand this. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, I'm a soldier. I, I'm a centurion with a hundred soldiers under me. I tell this guy, go over there, and he does it. I understand how authority works, and I understand this. I have authority over a hundred soldiers. You you have authority over everything. Oh, you understand? That's what he's saying. You have authority over nature. You have authority over sickness. You don't need to come to my house. Just say the word only. He says, look, your word is good enough. Now you say, Why is this so important? Here's why it's important. Jesus says this about one man in the whole Bible. Verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. I mean, marveled is like he's amazed. He's astonished. He's just like, wow. I mean, for, for Jesus to be marveled, that's a pretty impressive thing. When Jesus heard it, He marveled and said to them that followed. Notice what He says. He says, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no not in Israel. He said, I have never found more faith than this man has faith right now. Because He believes that my word is good enough to heal. Just for me to speak the words. Now, keep it right there in Matthew 8. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. A lot of foolishness goes on today under the, you know, umbrella of faith. The Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible tells us, looking unto Jesus, the, the, the finisher and author of our faith. But you need to understand this. Our faith is always to be founded upon the Word of God. Amen. This man said, I have faith, Jesus. If you say the words, I have faith, it will be done. Are you there in Romans chapter 10? Look at verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing what? And hearing by the Word of God. You understand that? As you hear the Word of God preached, as you hear it, as you read it, as you understand it, then from that Word, when you make decisions based on this Word, the Bible calls that faith. Now, today we have a lot of people doing a whole lot of dumb things, and they call it faith. You need to understand. If you say, you know, if you say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just take my whole paycheck and just throw it in the offering plate. Now, I heard somebody give this illustration. I'm going to take my whole page and just throw it in the offering plate. And, and, and I don't know how God's going to do it, but God's going to pay my bills. Look, if you throw it in this offering plate, I mean, what kind of the check. Don't get me wrong. We'll say thank you. But look, the Bible never tells you to throw your whole check in the offering plate. God never commanded you to do that. You understand that? I've been to churches where they have... Full check Sunday. This Sunday, we're just, everyone's going to throw their whole paycheck in the offering plate. And we're just going to trust God to pay. Look, that is foolishness. The Bible never says that. The Bible does not teach that. And if you do that, you know what's going to happen is you're not going to pay your bills. Because the Bible does not say that. But see, the Bible does say to tithe. And when you say, well, I don't know how I'm going to tithe. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. I don't think I have the money to do it. But I'm just going to step out by faith and do what the Word of God says and let God deal with it. Now you're exercising faith. Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. Because the Bible actually tells you to do that. And God will come through. And look, God always comes through. God, see, our faith should be on the Word of God. Do you understand that? It says, faith cometh by hearing hearing by the word of God. God, Jesus was impressed with this man because he said, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And he said, man, I've never seen so, faith, so much faith in Israel. Because his faith was founded on his word. You want to come up with all these foolish ideas and you think that God's going to see you through because I have faith. Look. If, if You better have a, a Bible verse or Bible principle or something in Scripture that tells you to do that because that is where we exercise our, our faith when it is founded on the Word of God. So we see, number one, the proper approach to Jesus. We see the proper attitude towards Jesus. He comes to Him in an attitude of respect, understanding, I am Understand that if your word says it, that's good enough. And look, that's where we need to get in our Christianity. If God says it, I believe it, period, end of story. Now notice verse 11, Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. And I say unto you, now keep in mind the context, we'll look at verse 10. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them, That followed, verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Keep in mind, this was a Gentile, a Saturian, a Roman. And he says, I have not found any Israelite that has as much faith as this Roman does. As this Gentile does. Verse 11. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west, talking about different nations, and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Unfortunately, the Bible says Jesus came unto His own, and His own received Him not. He came to the Jews, He came to Israel, and they rejected Jesus Christ as Savior. And what Jesus is saying here, here's the thing. you, You read the Gospels, what are they constantly saying? The Pharisees. Well, we're the children of Abraham. Well, we believe in Moses. Well, we believe in Isaac and in Jacob. And Jesus tells them, you know what the sad thing is? You think that your faith in Moses and your faith in Abraham and your faith in Isaac and in Jacob is going to save you and you are rejecting me as your Savior. You don't understand that Abraham believed in me. That's what he's saying. And the sad part is, is that all of you Israelites are going to see a whole lot of Gentiles coming from the east and from the west. And you will see them sitting down with your precious Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But you will be sent out of darkness. Isn't that interesting? Look, you don't get into heaven because you're born into the right family. You don't get into heaven because you're born into the right names. People literally think, well, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm an American. Are you crazy? (laughs) Have you seen America? (laughs) Look at verse 13, Jesus said unto the centurions, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. Now, now notice verse 14. Well, first we saw, let's review a little bit, the proper approach to Jesus. Then we saw the proper attitude towards Jesus, exercising faith on His word. Number three, we'll see the proper actions Poor Jesus. Verse 14, And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid sick of a fever. Now let's just take a moment to talk about that a little bit. Okay? He he went to Peter's house and he saw his wife. Do you see that? And it was his wife's mother, which would make him his mother-in-law, laid sick of a fever. Okay, so number one, the Bible teaches Peter had a mother. I'm sorry, mother. Of course he had a mother. A mother-in-law. Yeah, The Bible teaches Peter had a wife. Okay? So, we just blew out of the water the Catholic teaching that Peter was the first pope. Amen. I mean, do you understand that? Because the Catholics teach Peter was the first pope. Well, popes don't have wives. Peter did. Right. Do you understand that? Amen. See, you say, well, by religion, look, the Bible will mess up your religion. If you actually start reading the Bible, you'll start realizing, oh, religions. a lot of religions don't know what they're talking about. That's right. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, I mean, does it not say that? He saw his wife's mother laid sick of a fever. Okay? So he had a wife, he had a mother-in-law, so he wasn't the first pope. Didn't meet the qualifications. Let me just uh, give you another example. Go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse 25. And I'm not trying to big on anybody, I'm just trying to explain. It's it's just Bible study time, and we're supposed to be studying the Bible. Acts chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 10. Today, you know... The Pope will have people come up to the Pope. Everyone who has ever seen the Pope knows this is true. People walk up to the Pope and they bow in front of him. I I don't know what they're doing. They're kissing his big toe. I'm not sure. They just get out and they bow in front of the Pope. Okay? That's what they do. Alright? Let's see if that's what they did for Peter. Are you there in Acts chapter 10? Look at verse 25. Acts chapter 10 verse 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him. Now notice, and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Okay, so Peter walks in, and this guy just falls on his knees and begins to worship Peter. Look what it says, verse twenty-six. But Peter took him up, saying, "Stand up." He said, "Don't bow to me. I myself also am a man." Okay, so did Peter receive worship? No, he didn't. And by the way, the Bible, the word worship, what the word worship means is to bow your knee down in front of somebody. I know, you know, I go to worship. That's not what the word worship means. Study out in scripture. (laughs) The word worship, if you study in scripture, worship means you bow down in front of somebody. They worshipped idols. It doesn't mean they were having a rock concert with the idol. It means they were bowing down in front of the idol. That's what the word worship means. And Peter, this guy, falls down in front of him and worships him. And by the way, everyone who bows down in front of a human being is worshipping that person. Well, I'm not worshipping them, I'm just bowing. That's what the word worship means. And Peter said, no, 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 don't bow in front of me. You only bow in front of one person, that's Jesus Christ. Amen. So, you know, let's just blow that out of the water. Peter was not the first pope. But go back to Mark, Matthew 8, verse 14. Here's what I think is interesting. Jesus walks into Peter's house. His mother-in-law is sick. You don't you don't see Peter asking, you know, can you heal my mother-in-law? <laughs> Jesus, you know, goes to heal the mother-in-law. Peter's like, no, no, you know. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> She's okay. <laughs> I just thought that's interesting. You know, everybody else is like, Lord, heal this. Lord, heal that. Jesus is like, I'm, okay, I'm going to go ahead and heal her. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, just, I don't know why. Why doesn't Peter ask? You know, it's just interesting. Look at verse 15. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. You say, why did Jesus heal her? Nobody asked, right? Peter didn't ask. Why didn't Jesus heal her? I, here's why I think Jesus healed her. I think Jesus looked around and said, I need somebody to minister to me. The word minister means to serve. He said, we need somebody to serve us, Peter. Who can serve us? He says, well, my mother-in-law's there, but she's sick right now, and she can't serve us. And Jesus says, I'm going to heal her so that she can serve. Do you understand that? You know why God saved you? Say, so God saved me because He loved me. Well, yeah, He loves you, but that's not why He saved you. God saved me because He wanted to give me home in heaven. Well, that's a byproduct of heaven, but that's not why He saved you. God looked down and realized, I need somebody to serve me a little bit. I need a few people to give their lives to me. I need a few people to be able to minister to me. He, and, and He looked down and He saw you. And you were sin sick, friend. I mean, you were laid out. You could not do. You can help yourself. You can help anyone else. And Jesus said, I think I'm going to go ahead and heal that one. Why? So they can get up and serve me. And look at verse 15, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And what did she do? She arose and ministered unto them. By the way, God saved you to serve. Most Christians think God, God saved me to sin. I come to church and I say. Look, this is, this is training time. So you can then go and serve. Do you understand that? The proper action after salvation is to serve. Look at verse 16. We're almost done. We are actually almost done. We're going to look at a few verses and we're done. Matthew 8.16 And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed, make note of this, all that were sick. Sometimes people ask me, Pastor, what do you think about these, uh, you know, these preachers on TV where they, they slap people, and they heal them, and they do this and that, you know. Is that like what Jesus did? Well, you gotta, you gotta let, let me just explain a few things to you, okay? Here's what those preachers would say. They'll like slap someone on the forehead and say, you're healed. Okay? But when that person's not healed, because oftentimes people get up and they're like, no, I still have cancer. Okay? (laughs) No, I still have, you know, I'm still whatever. Here's what they'll say. They'll say, oh, well, I have the power to heal you. But the problem is you don't have enough faith. That's why you didn't get healed. I mean, who's ever heard that? Because I've heard that my whole life. These preachers, they say, if you don't get healed, it's because you don't have the faith. And they'll go to these verses where Jesus will say, you know, does I believe that I can do this? And Jesus definitely said that. But you know what's interesting? Did, did Peter's mother ask to be healed? Did, did Jesus ask her, do you have enough faith for me to... He just saw her and he healed her and she got up and was was okay. You understand that? Do you know Jesus resurrected dead people? I mean, Lazarus, different people in the Bible. Jesus, How much faith does a dead person have? Well, I, I, I went to heal them, but they didn't have enough faith. That's why I couldn't resurrect them. No, Jesus can do whatever He wants. And you know what's funny is that, look at verse 16. And when the even was come, they brought unto him, him many that were possessed with devils. And He cast out the spirits with His, with his word. Do you see that? How did He cast out the spirit With His word. And healed, notice... All that were sick. Here's the question I have for Benny Hinn. Why does when he comes into Sacramento, why doesn't he heal all that are sick in Sacramento? Because that's what Jesus did. I'm going to go have a big old meeting, and I'm going to print this big article and I'm to do this. Look, Jesus came into town and literally healed everyone. Some of them had the faith, some of them didn't have the faith, some of them were dead and couldn't exercise faith that they wanted to. And he did it anyway. So here's what I'm I'm saying. If these guys are doing what Jesus did, why aren't they doing it with the same strength that Jesus did? But look at verse 17. Here's here's what I wanted to get to. Say, why did Jesus heal all these people? Why did he perform all these miracles? Why, Why do all this? Verse 17 that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. So here's a quote from the book of Isaiah saying, here's a quote in the book of Isaiah about Jesus Christ, and he performs it here. He says, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Okay, keep your finger on Matthew 8. We're almost done. We're going to look at three references and we'll be done. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Just real quickly. I want you to see this. and Look, I, I got five minutes. We can do this in five minutes for sure. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. While you're turning there, let me read for you Matthew 8, 17 again. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying... Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The Bible says, Himself He took our infirmities and He bare our sicknesses. Are you there in Hebrews chapter 4, towards the end of the New Testament? Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest. By the way, that's Jesus Christ, our high priest. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now look at verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. I, I, I wish I had the eloquence to explain this. I, I pray that you just understand it. I don't, I'm not saying this happened every time, but I do believe this. When Jesus touched Peter's mother-in-law, the Bible says the fever went from her. I don't believe He just healed that fever. I believe He took that fever. You understand that? When when He touched that leprous man, I don't think He just healed the leprosy. I think He touched, He he received that leprosy. You say, well, why, why why do you think that? Okay, give your there in Hebrews if you'd like, but go to, go to Matthew 8. Look at it again. Matthew 8, verse 17. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took our infirmities, bear our sicknesses. Now look, you can understand this. When a leprous man went to a high priest, a high priest was an office... Primarily in the Old Testament. They had it in the New Testament also. It was a man who was a high priest. It was a picture of one day Jesus Christ who is the high priest. That there is no other high priest. When Jesus came, he's the high priest. And there is no more high priest. There is no Levitical law. It is a high priest by the order of Melchizedek. That's a whole other sermon for another time. But when a leprous man came to a high priest, that high priest did not understand what it was to have leprosy. Do you understand that? But when you come to Jesus, He knows exactly what it feels like. Do you understand that? Now go, go back to Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 15. For we have not, He's saying this is not our high priest, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Here's what that means. He has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are. You see, every temptation you ever had, Jesus had it too. You understand that? That's why he came on to this earth, by the way. That's why he lived for 30 plus years, by the way. So he could go through the same things you went through, he could have the same. He took all those sicknesses. He knew what it felt like to have leprosy run through his body. He knew what it felt like to have fever run through his body. He knew what it felt like. Because look, the Bible had to say, We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all point tempted like as we are. Here's the only difference between you and Jesus Christ. For him, look at the last phrase of verse 15, Yet without sin. He felt everything you felt. He went through everything you went through. He knows everything you've known. The only difference between him and you is that he never sinned. And because of that, verse sixteen: Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You may say, "Well, I don't, Pastor Jimenez. I'm going through a struggle, but I don't know that you really understand what I'm going through." You know what? You're probably right. And to be very honest with you, some of the stuff that you guys struggle with, I don't want to know. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be rude. Look, I I don't want to know what it feels like to struggle with drug addiction or alcohol addiction or or stuff like that. I'm not trying to to put you down. I'm just saying, you're right. I may not know that, but I know who does, Jesus Christ. He knows what you went through. The only difference was without sin. He became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. See salvation. Remember these miracles picture salvation. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Ah um, oh man, I, I wish I had. Good night. Let me just okay, let me just show you this real quick. Look at Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. I just if I don't show you this, uh, you're not you're gonna think I'm a heretic or something. Mark chapter five. You say okay, pastors. He mentioned You think he took these sicknesses? You think Jesus just walked around and was a sickly person? No, I don't think that at all. Let me show you what I mean. Mark chapter five, look at verse twenty-five. Mark five twenty five. Let's just do it quickly. Mark chapter five, verse twenty-five. Here's another example of a healing. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind them and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague so this woman has been sick for 12 years the doctors can't help her she said if I can just touch Jesus I know that he can heal me I believe that he can heal me so she runs up to him there's a great press there's a great multitude. there's people flocking Jesus I mean tons of people all around him. and this woman touches his clothes and immediately she feels that she's healed now notice verse 30 and Jesus immediately knowing what did he know? Knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. The word virtue means miraculous power. This woman touched him and Jesus could feel the power going out of him into her. To heal her. Now look at verse 30. And Jesus immediately knowing in Himself that virtue had gone out of Him, turned Him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And His disciples said unto Him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and, thou sayest, uh, and, th- and sayest thou, Who touched me? you understand that? He's like, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples are like, Look, everybody's touching you, Jesus. They're all trying to grab you. You're asking who touched you? Verse 32. And He looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before Him and told Him all the truth. And He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you, okay? And I hope I'm not just killing it or not, not helping you understand it. But here's what I'm trying to explain to you. When Jesus healed an individual, they took His virtue. He took their sickness. Second Corinthians 5.21, you don't have to turn there. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. This is a picture of salvation. They take His virtue, He takes their sickness, but when that sickness comes into His body, obviously His virtue hears it. And when you got saved, Jesus took your sin, and you took His righteousness. That's salvation. That's a picture of salvation. When, Jesus looks, when God looks down at you, He does not see you, because if He saw you, He would send you to hell. He sees Jesus Christ. And He took our sins on the cross. And that is salvation. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love You. Thank You for our church. Lord, thank You for allowing us to be able to have time to study Your Word. Just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the passage, Lord. And I pray You'd uh, bless the, the, what we read and what we learned. You would apply it in our hearts, Lord. You would help us to exercise faith in Your Word. We love You. In Your precious name I pray. Amen.